0: Welcome to today's edition of Laura Stinchfield and Kim Klein's podcast and YouTube Live. I'm Laura Stinchfield from ThePetPsychic.com and this is
1: Kim Klein from KimberlyKlein.com.
0: And we thought we would talk a little bit today about animals and the importance of being alpha and the difference between being alpha and being confident. And I think this is a very important topic because, especially when we're dealing with dogs, and Kim has birds, and you know, there's in old school dog training, there's a lot of talk about being alpha. And in the old days, that often meant like alpha rolling a dog, um, which is like when you kind of like push over a dog and make them submit to show that you're more dominant than them. Actually, like in old school dog training, they used to do really weird things like bite the neck and bite the ears and, you know, kind of act like you're a dog to the other dog. Um, And then there's like, if you go all the way to pet psychic, work and like animal communication, people can go too far the other way. And we can, although I think it's true, we can humanize the animals and that the animals have very human emotions and human thoughts. People will sometimes take it too far and make their animal their complete equal. And then the animal may not feel safe or the animal may not feel secure because They're not really sure where their place is in the pack or the pride or whatever you want to call it. So I think that it's very important for humans to show confidence in your relationship with your pets and establish what old school people would call alpha, because in the animal world, Animal's number one form of communication is through body language. And we can't deny that. And so it's important that we hold ourselves confident and we show our animals that we are are confident. And so what I kind of would like to put out today to some of our are people who are in the chat room is just to kind of throw out, you know, like where are you having problems with your animals and where are your animals kind of not listening to you? And um, then we can kind of discuss maybe about how you could show more dominance or more alpha behavior Um, or more confidence in that situation um, that would feel true to your heart where you don't feel like you're being cruel to an animal um, and it's empowering you and also having your animal feel safe.
1: You know, this is not my expertise. However, I have experience with my macaws and my African greys and I'm, my husband and I handle it differently. So I, I'm the one who does the, like the voice commands. Like if we're holding one of the birds and it it decides to bite me, I'll say no. And I look it in the eyes and I say, no, my husband, on the other hand, does what bird trainers do, which is just sort of like go like this quickly so that the bird, Mm -hmm. when they go to bite, feels a little off balance. So boom. And I'm like, no. So both ways work, but I don't know which one's the better. It's just Mm -hmm. that I'm more, it just comes natural for me to be Mm -hmm. disciplining with a no. And if they do it again, no bites. And if they do it again, okay, you want to time out? And then they stop. And it works for him just to go boop. So I don't know how that fits with an alpha. That's just how Yeah, it kind of so, normal. well, it depends on the animal, right? So
0: with what you're doing with your your style is, and you, you kind of showed it, Seymour agrees. I don't know if you can hear it, screaming. But um, what you showed was like, you got your shoulders back. You know, you, you were stern. You gave eye contact, like stern eye contact, mm-hmm. and you said very clearly, a deep no. Now that can work across species for a lot of animals. That that um, that that forward um, body language that says, "I need you to stop now." Then, on the other hand of it, do we, right now they're all going to go. Simora likes to do this. She likes I don't know if you guys could hear her cuz I don't know if it the it would feature her out. Could you hear her screaming? She screams and then she gets the other ones going. It's like they like to do it as fun for them. But no 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 hey 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 no. Ah ah All right maybe they want me to So that's kind of the same thing, right? So Mm -hmm. I could use that hay to kind of stop them. If I didn't use that hay, like what you did, they would have escalated and they would have gotten, the dogs would have gotten more into the barking. Sometimes I let them do it because I like to do it. It's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I need them to stop, right, you have to have that stern body language. Now what your husband is doing is he's actually using his body to tell your birds, I'm in control of you. And he's giving them an unsteady feeling right? So he's (laughs) kind of saying to them, I could topple you over if I wanted to. So he's not using his voice and he's just using his hand. I mean, I don't know, it would be interesting to have a bird uh, trainer kind of say what he's actually doing in their mind, a bird behaviorist. But to me, it, it sounds like he's saying, I'm not going to, you're not state, like I have the ability to make you stable or not. And when you're doing that behavior, I'm making you unstable. And then the bird's like, oh, okay, he's boss. I better like chill it out. So both could work. And it depends on which you're going to have animals in your life where that no and the eye contact is going to be too much for an animal and mm. it's not going to work. And he might have an animal where that unsteadiness is not going to work. And so you might have to switch it up.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, as you were talking about that, I'm the verbal one. And, you know, he's the professional martial artist. So he uses mm. his body. So mm. he went to use his body and I, it was completely unconscious. It's just in him. In mine, it's completely in me to use my voice.
0: To use your voice. Yeah. yeah. Now, what can happen with a lot of people is that they use their voice too much and then those animals like tune us out. So, for instance, if the dogs are barking out the window and people seem to kind of let it happen and the animal will be barking out the window and the person does nothing about it. And they just kind of leave it alone. And then when they want them to stop barking out the window, they go and they tell them, leave it or quiet. I don't want you to do that. You're driving me crazy. Stop doing it. And you're talking too much to them. And then you just sound, well, some of the animals will even say, my mom's or my dad is talking too out the window or barking out the window too, because they just sound as if they're barking too. Mm-hmm. So they're allowing a behavior. And so then you're not seeming like you're in charge. Animals need someone to be in charge. Of course, there are going to be animals that are like so confident themselves and so chill, they're just going to be cool, like, however, you are. But most of the time, an animal needs a confident leader, an animal needs somebody who's like, Okay, I'm in control of this situation. And sometimes people just are not in control of themselves, like, they're not confident people, and then they mm-hmm. Those people will end up seeing that oftentimes their animals will have fear issues or they have aggression issues or they have dominance issues because they're not confident within themselves. And so then their animal does not feel secure in their environment because that person has not taken control of the environment right? So in a barking out the window scenario, you want to make sure that you stop it right away and not just let it go sometimes. Like people will just let bad behavior happen and that's really unhealthy. Another way where you can show that you're like the alpha or that you're confident is just by controlling space and doing like a body block. So for instance, let's say dogs like Run past you at doorways. That's a really good time to say, "Okay, I'm going to teach you that I'm boss, and I'm going to teach you to wait and control the space before you." And and kind of, you could plant your plant your foot and kind of bump them a little bit, not hard, but just do a slight bump to say, hey, I control this space. And then give them a voice command like wait, like I'll use the word wait, so that which means you can walk around inside the house, you just can't run outside of the house until I tell you to. So you're giving them a boundary and adding little things like that into your into your repertoire with your animals or into your daily routine with the animals will help them see you more as a competent leader or more as an alpha also teaching downstays is so important with dogs because when you teach a downstay one a dog then learns like when i go into the stay position i know i need to stay here until my person tells me free or OK or whatever your free release word is to say that you can get up. So they learn that that is a solid command that they need to do. Then they also learn, they also get calm because they know they're going to be there for a while and they also feel their stomach on the ground, which is very calming. But then also just in dog language, it's a submissive position. It's a submissive posture, lying down and having somebody stand or sit above you. So it gets, it gives them the feeling of you being more dominant. So downstays are very, very powerful in teaching an animal that you're a confident leader and that they... Are you going to say something?
1: Um, yeah, but finish.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. that's, 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 you know, just another tool that people can use.
1: Yeah. Um, stays are important. I think all animals need to have training. And even, I mean, birds, just, birds can go crazy if you don't train them. So I use stay because, like, my baby bird, my little, mm-hmm. my little dabby, the blue throated macaw, she just wants to be with me and, like, of the time when I walk upstairs she'll come and fly upstairs so I had the teacher stay so I put her somewhere stay and I use my hand stay I always use hands and voice so she knows she's not flying upstairs to come with me The, the one thing I haven't quite figured out is once I'm upstairs um her release, but she's figured out that when I'm not around and she can then get up and fly somewhere else, but she doesn't fly after me when I tell her stay. And to me, that's like the most important part.
0: Yeah. That's so, so you're being pretty clear and you're like acknowledging to yourself also, okay, wait, what am I actually telling her? Right. What does stay actually mean? So a lot of times people use stay And they like one minute, they want their dog to stay or their animal to stay. And to me, stay is a stationary command. It means you sit or you you stand or you lie down in that position until I give you a release command. Mm -hmm. And my weight is a little bit more relaxed. You can walk around inside the house, you just can't walk out the door. You can walk around inside the car, you just can't jump out of the car. You can walk backwards towards me, but you can't walk ahead up on the trail. So weight is a little bit more relaxed, but it's still a general, general place. So to me, your stay to her would be my wait, mm-hmm. right? Because you just need to wait and not cross the boundary of the stairway, let's say, right? Yeah. No. And but if you're using her on her perch and then she's eventually realizing, OK, my my stay means I need to stay in the basement. I need to stay down here.
1: Right Yeah. You know?
0: So it's my I, mean, I need to stay in this vicinity.
1: I'm changing my command. That's interesting because I always have her. She's always on the stair railing at the bottom when she starts to mm. follow me. And that's when I say stay. I'm changing out the weight. That's going to become. Yeah, but you
0: could call it stay. And ch- yeah. call, change weight to like hang. I don't know. You could like, or change stay to like, I don't know. You could, you could give it another name. Like if you needed her to be station. I mean, you may never ever need her to be stationary somewhere, do
1: you? Like, no, but it's a good command to have because you never know. So having mm-hmm. her on a perch and stay. My stays are always because I'm leaving. And I don't, so I have to figure that out. This is interesting. I'm going to have to think yeah. about this.
0: Yeah. Cause you have to be really clear on what you're wanting. Yeah, you know, exactly. uh, like one of the most common things that animals ask me or what they want, like when people say to me, like ask my animal what they want, the most common thing that they ask is to learn new things. Mm. And I think this is so important because I've been one of those people like way before I was a dog trainer, when I was in my twenties and I had, I had, um, like a dog that was, I thought was perfect at the time I looked back and I thought, well, maybe she wasn't so perfect, but at the time she was perfect for me and what I needed her to do, I was like, why do you need to train them, right? They're happy or they're good, right? But the process of training an animal is so important. Because it teaches an animal how to process new information. So when you're asking an animal to do something, like like a sit or a spin or a shake or or you know a dance, whatever you want to teach them to do, or, they have to go through that that uncomfortable period of be like, my person is asking me to do something, I don't understand it. And so at that moment of, I don't understand it, they're at a crossroads and they, when you keep working at it until they do understand it, they cross that crossroads and say, okay, I just was uncomfortable and I didn't understand something. And now I do understand it. And now I'm getting a reward for it or I'm getting praise for it. And then after that, they're going to go through a period of like, wait, what? It's like a learning curve. Did I, Did I I just, wait, did I just register that right? Does that hand signal mean sit? Wait, is that it? And then their brain crashes and they kind of have to work it out all over again. And this is so important for them to process because then if they're used to kind of working out that process, when the garbage truck goes by and makes a hell of a lot of noise and it's freaking them out, they're going to be used to that, wait, what? I feel uncomfortable. Can I work through this? And that is what's so important that you're there to help them so that they can start processing information themselves. So teaching them tricks or teaching them boundary control, just little things is going to make an animal more confident. It's also going to make you feel more you put more in the alpha position or the more confident position because you're the one that's teaching them. So they're just they're going to be looking to you for guidance and we really really want that. Now, if we back this up a little bit and we think about an animal that's had a shock collar on them that has had been hit, that has been kicked, has um has had negative reinforcement like a choke chain, we've done that kind of old school dog training or animal training. What's happened then is that that animal has then become scared to learn because mm. they're going to be in this position where they're going to be at that crossroads of, of, Oh, can I figure this out? But before they can figure that out, they just got the shock. They just got the choke and then, the, or they just, they had been hit in the past and then they're in this position of, of Oh my God, the act of processing, I can't even go there because I'm gonna be abused, right? I'm gonna be yeah. hurt. So so then they don't go there. They fool around, they run off, they get aggressive to you, they get aggressive in other situations because they haven't learned that training is happy and healthy and fun and helps them feel more confident so it's really really important to to think about those things when we're when we're training or when you see like an animal resistance to training and you know you see that in people too you know people who have been abused in their life and you start talking to them and they get like they get um they get like defensive or they shut down or they walk out of their room, it, like just in the process of learning, you're like, what happened to them that made them feel like they can't learn? Like they're stupid or they're dumb or like the person who's always saying like what I'm so stu- what you think I'm stupid. Or, you know, they say things like that. Those people have been injured in their life and they've stopped that learning process. And you, We see that with the animals all the time, all the time.
1: Yeah. And I think I know actually that at least macaws and maybe all animals, they're very intelligent and they need mental stimulation to stay busy and to feel like they're accomplishing something. And a lot of animals get into trouble at home because they have no stimulation, whether or not they rip furniture apart Mm -hmm. or birds, they start to pluck their feathers out. So you need to give them the mental stimulation that they require and training does that in so many ways. It helps with their intelligence, helps with mm-hmm. your bond. Um, and it's also fun to watch animals do this. So same. fun. So, yeah. It's so fun. I yeah, I say, just... Go ahead. Oh,
0: so,
1: and when I train one bird, like the little one, I can see in her eyes she's thinking in that processing like you're talking about. And I can see that the other one's heard and the other ones are mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah, birds are
0: cool like that, that they mimic. Bradley will do that too. Like Bradley was having like, I was trying to teach him shake and, and he just, you know, he's he's super insecure. Like when you like touch him and like want him to do something. Right. And so all the other dogs, they know shake and high five and stuff. And so I would be like, Bradley would be watching and I would teach, I would be doing like shake and high five with the others. And then I'm like, Bradley, and then he's like, <laughs> like he's all nervous with his little paw. I'm like, that's it, buddy. He's so smart. He's so smart, but totally learns from watching. Yeah. It's so yeah. fun to watch them, like their little minds working like that.
1: Yeah. yeah, it is. Like, I'll have the little one and our biggest, the green wing, she's watching. and And then all of a sudden, she'll come over and she'll want to do it too it's it's just so cute i mean in reality i should probably be training them in separate rooms so there's no confusion going on but it's just fun to have them all watching
0: yeah yeah i mean sometimes you can do them together and then sometimes you can do them separate you know it's like when you when you see kids and they can sing the the anthem you know and then um you at you take them apart and you ask them to sing it by Ooh, themselves that. and they don't know the words. It's like, sometimes that happens when you have a pack of dogs too, mm-hmm. they all like, or the or the birds, like they all know how to do something together, but then you take them separate and they're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, like what, how do you do that again? I think that's something you really, people have to focus on too, is that like, you know, you've got to really work your animal in different environments and in different situations to really mm-hmm. know if they've solidified a command.
1: Yeah. You know, the, the confidence and needing, I think not just the animals, but even people, they need structure. There was a time um, when my daughter and her friend were playing and her friend said to her mom, so I think I would prefer you to be more like Talia's mom. And she's like, why? Because Talia has boundaries. Now this is a kid. Talia yeah. has boundaries and she knows what's going on in her mom. Is very clear with her. And first the way that this girl talked about it was amazing because it was it's really amazing, clear. yeah. And second, it was true because her mom didn't have any boundaries. And mm. um, it was it was fascinating that she saw how it worked and wanted the structure in her life. Herself. And, and that's yeah. so
0: true with the animals too. Yeah, like exactly I, like Hudson, so Hudson can be dominant with other dogs. He can he can get like a little bit bullyish. My German Shepherd. And, um, but, and I we would take him to the beach a lot. And I would meet sometimes with my friends. And we would have ten, like 10 or 12 dogs. And there'd be a lot of dogs running around. And, um, and he would be on leash at first. And I would like introduce him. And then he'd go off and he'd play. Like once he knows animals, he's good. But it's that like initial, like react that the initial greeting he struggles with. And it's like he's insecure. So, so when we're at the beach, In the beginning calling him back like what would was like a learning curve for us because he's like this big athletic shepherd he wants to run and play and play in the water and you know you'd call him back so what i noticed is i would call him back from playing and then we would like be heading down the beach and we'd be heading down into like another packet like right at the base of like where everyone comes into the beach They, all the dogs congregate from, you know, people come from their cars, right? So there's lots of dogs and it can be mayhem, like super aggressive dogs, like really submissive dogs, like it can just be crazy there. So I started to notice that Hudson, when we would start heading down and I know like when I can call him back, like how far ahead he can be to what we're like, I have a good recall back. I started to notice Hudson would see dogs in the distance and he would come back to me and he'd say mom put me on leash because he saw that scary going in there but you would never know Hudson thought that was scary because he looked like he could like just rule that place you know like he's a big shepherd he can hold himself strong but me asking me snapping him on the leash he was like Thank you. Because he knew that if he was in a situation, I'm going to move him along, right? Like if he's like starting to hover over a dog and it's like, I know he's going to like nail him, I'll move him along. and he, he needed that from me and he knew he needed that from me. So that's something that's really important for people to notice. Like, just like you said about that girl, she was wise enough to notice like, hey, I need boundaries. And here's Hudson saying, I need boundaries too. Like, I need the leash in this mm-hmm. situation. And people are too much about, like, let my dog run free. Let him have a good time. But sometimes the dogs need to be on leash. They need that, that background. They need that, 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 they need you. So this Wendy here wrote writes here, I have two dogs, an eight-year-old pug and a two-year-old Fre- Frenchton, which I think is a Frenchie. Uh, and my struggle is figuring out... How to let the two-year-old know he's not the alpha. So what's happening here is the eight-year-old, right, is not telling the two-year-old that he's really the alpha, right? But really in a home with multiple dogs, you're the alpha. And I think it's really important that when you have multiple dogs in a household, there's always going to be that dynamic where one is going to try to be more alpha than the other. Like, It's their nature to, like, have a system of who's alpha and who isn't, right? That's their nature. But if you're a strong alpha yourself, if you hold confidence and you know when to stop behavior that's inappropriate, that two-year-old is going to let it go because you've got it taken care of. So what I've noticed is just, like, little things that you can do, like I said, like, like, um like handing out treats and they all have to wait for the treats. They have to wait for their dinner. They have to wait to go out the door. They really start watching body checks when a dog is checking another one. So, um, so like, let's say you're, you have an exuberant dog and they're running by another dog and they just check them on the side. Like they body slam them on the side. We can so often say like, oh, he's just young. He just doesn't know his own body. He's just wild. Well, they know. They know what where their body is. And it's true. Like sometimes they can be young and they don't really know their body. They haven't grown into their body yet. You got to teach them it is not okay to check another dog. It's not okay to bump another dog like that because that is showing alpha. Another thing that they'll do, the dogs will do, is they'll snake another one for um food or for treats or for the water so for instance like let's say there's a water bowl and one is heading towards the the water bowl the one that's trying to be alpha will notice that one is that the other one is trying to get to the water bowl and they might just run or slowly walk in between them and the water bowl they might not guard the water bowl they might not get aggressive and like growl and try and get them away from the water bowl but they'll just kind of sneak them a little bit and say like yeah I could if I wanted to that is something where you gotta knock it off if you see that at all you've got to go and get that dog and tell them no or just walk them away just bump them away and not say anything (laughs) just tell them that's not appropriate behavior and the same with toys and the same with greeting. Like, if they're trying to greet, like, another person and one will check another one over to the person, like, that's not okay behavior. And if you keep, like, teaching the animals, like, that's not okay, that that two-year-old will let it go because they'll know you're in charge.
1: Hope that helped a little bit. There was one. There was a comment about a school horse who always, and this is common with school horses, nips or bites when getting saddled. And I think that poor horse just got, I mean, there's a right way and a wrong way of, to abruptly put the saddle on and winch it up. That horse probably had a long time with somebody doing that. And now he needs to know that you're going to do it gently, put it on, let him take some breaths, release his breath, do, tighten it up a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true.
0: yeah you know. yeah yeah that's true and also it could be ulcers if an animal has like ulcers oh. or a mare has like cramps because she's going in the heat um, that they can be real girthy for that hmm. too. But you're right. Like a slow, like a slow doing up of the girth. There's a lot of people that just, like you said, yank that, they yank girth it, and up. they kick
1: them, let your breath out, blah blah. Yeah, and yeah. you just want
0: to like let, oh, like put it on a little bit, then walk them out to the, yeah. you know, to where you're gonna get on, and then put it out a little bit more. Jubilee always likes me to stretch out our leg from under the girth, so it stops that pinching. Cause some, mm-hmm. some like thoroughbreds, like some horses have much sensitive. I mean, thir- like just horses in general have super sensitive skin; they can feel like when a fly lies on them. So you want to make sure that you know the girth isn't pinching; it's a comfortable girth. Or like when they start to sweat, that it doesn't like yank up. But a lot of times, girthiness is ulcer. So you want to make sure that that horse is getting twenty-four-seven hay, free free hay, so that it doesn't have ulcers. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But you're right. The yanking, the anticipation, yeah. yanking—like the old yeah. cowboy style, you
1: know, like hard. Yeah,
0: it's interesting that you say that because I grew up riding English, right? Like, I'm riding the English way. Yeah. And then I went to like cutting, riding cutting horses, and then natural horsemanship, which was which was like I learned from a cowboy, like like a full-on cowboy who like had cows and everything, and that cowboy was way more humane and a better horseman oh. than any other horseman I've ever met in my life. So to me, I, sometimes I have in my head, like cowboys are probably the kindest horsemen, but it depends on which kind yeah. of cowboy, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, this woman... Good for you, Jen. She says, I use positive reinforcement training only. No prong collars, no E collars, no leash pops. And really, like, going back to that, to those, like, I know really good dog trainers, like, dog trainers I really respect that may use some of those methods you know I like I personally don't agree with them but I know some good dog trainers that do use them and but those dog trainers are very aware of like calming signals and their timing when it's appropriate to use them when it isn't appropriate so that they're not confusing the dog
1: Mm. Um, sometimes even though I'm not you know probably the world's greatest trainer having the three big macaws out at once watching what they do like they'll fly over and they'll um you know one of them will want to kick the other one off of that perch because it's the big one and wants the perch and the little one's like ah, she screams and flies off so i just tell pick up the big one and say that's not very nice you know i always just sort of mm-hmm. speak english to them and yeah. that's not nice you go back here and i bring the other one that was kicked off and i put her back where she was And it seems to be working. We'll see. Yeah, that's a great
0: point, Kim. Because what can happen is they have their natural instincts, right? They have to, like in a flock, I'm sure in the natural environment, they have their hierarchy of who's alpha or not, right? Yeah. But what you're doing is is also, besides just saying no, right, or telling them a a thing is inappropriate, you're raising a consciousness and you're telling them why that's not okay. Mm -hmm. And there is 100% a place for that. And even with the dogs, like what I was explaining earlier, it's very important to raise the consciousness of our animals and there's a time to explain it to them. And like, this is why you don't do that behavior because we all live harmoniously with each other. Like, this is like, this is your family. This is your pack. We love each other. This is Mm -hmm. your flock. Like, we love each other. We're kind to each other. So 100% talk to them like that. Uh, there's definitely a time when to do it and when not to do it. When, um, but when they're in a, a place where they can hear it, oh my gosh, yeah, so important. Like, great point. Great, great point. Um, Cheryl here says, though I'm constantly training my dog, I'm unable to gain her attention when a squirrel passes in front of her or a delivery truck enters the property. I lose all control at that point. So with prey-driven dogs... This is, um, it's really hard to ever get your control back for an animal who's prey-driven, like for a squirrel. And you can do, it takes lots of training, like long line training. It's the one time where... I'm like kind of okay about some shock collar use when you have like a highly prey driven dog and you need it in order to keep an animal safe and you want them to be able to, you know, run free off leash. Not to say that I'm advocating shock collars, but it's like the one time where I'm like, I get it, you know, if you really want a dog to be able to run free. In a situation like that, and you, if you know where the road is and where the squirrels are and when, when where the delivery truck is, if I had a dog that was that prey driven, my dog would never be free in the front yard without a long line. So like, like with Hudson, he is so driven with deer. Like he, there is nothing that can stop that dog from chasing a deer. And if, I, if there is so much as an ounce of a, a like a teeny tiny bit of like there may be a deer here, that dog is on leash, and and I do not break from that because he will go, and and you just gotta keep him safe, you know. So I tell people that all the time, like just put your dog on a long lead, like just do it,
1: and I think people need to understand that animals. And this is what you do all the time. They understand what we say. And if you're saying something that you actually don't want them to believe, then you shouldn't say it. An example is um, that my brother used to always call our little chihuahua, Zippy, who's in heaven now, um, a squirrel. And in front of his German shepherd, Layla, he would say, yeah, you're a, a German shepherd. Zippy's just a little squirrel, blah, blah, blah. And that's why Layla decided she wanted to attack Zippy. And so I know mm-hmm. when we talked to um, Layla, she thought Zippy was a squirrel because her mm-hmm. my dad said Zippy's a squirrel and she wouldn't Aww. shake that. Even though we told her she wasn't a squirrel, she said, no, my dad calls Zippy a squirrel. And so we had, it was horrible. And so before Zippy got hurt and, and then we needed to find a new home for Layla where there were no little dogs that would be, considered squirrels so everything oh. you say to them in front of the other ones you have to be conscious of everything you say you have
0: to be so conscious of it it's so true yeah like like i remember the the bunnies say like, like i don't want to be stew you know because some people will be like oh. bunnies do you know it's horrible it's horrible so they yeah. are listening to everything they yeah. are i mean there, you definitely can, and this is the thing, like, with going back to this, the dog that chases squirrels, like, you can say to them, like, one, you can do the training, right? Like, you have to train a good recall. You got to have them on leash and train, like, put in the time mm-hmm. to do the training. People, like, everyone wants, like, a well-trained dog with no training, like, <laughs> no putting in the time. You got to put in the time, but that should be fun. That, it should be fun for you to put in the time, um, but... If you're doing the training where you're like, they're on the long lead, they're running after them, you're giving them an interrupter, you're calling them back, you're treating them for coming back, you're praising them, and then really say to them, listen, you need to learn this because if you don't learn this, you're always going to be on leash. Like you need to learn to leave the squirrels alone. And that's why it's important. Like if you if if squirrels are dangerous to chase in places then you can't like say, go get the squirrely. Like, there can't be sometimes where it's appropriate and sometimes it isn't because you're hitting their instincts there to chase. So you have to be, like, really, really, like, you know, consistent with when it's okay. And if it's, like, it should never be okay, right? Like, if you have a little dog yeah. that looks like a squirrel, should it be okay that your dog chases squirrels? No. It shouldn't be okay that your dog chases squirrels.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important that no matter how little the dog is, they get trained also because um, I did this yeah. when... I got my little Yorkie, Isabella, who weighs four pounds, you know, when she's so little and cute, and there's a comment about having a puppy being little and cute, that I just wanted to love her, and so the furthest I got with training her was, you have to go pee-pee, let's go outside. I mean, that's, I didn't do any other training, mainly because, you know, I might be conscious with my birds, but I was completely unconscious with training Bella. I just, she was mm-hmm. cute. And I picked her up and she went outside and now she has zero training. And you um, still train though. It's never so well, late. She it's is so never stubborn, She knows the word stop because that's an emergency word. And she'll be running oh, in the girl. yard. You yell stop really firmly and she will stop and lay down. So um, I'm happy that and my husband did that one, that she has that at least because that's that could go so her college. Yeah.
0: yeah, totally. Totally. But you gotta train that little puppy. Yeah, you gotta train them, and then and talking to them too, like really explaining, yeah. like when you're home, or like this is why I do this. You know, this is why we're learning this. You know, you're learning this. You don't get hit by a car. You know, all sorts of. You know, just you can really explain it to them. Sometimes. They just—I mean, it's amazing. Like sometimes you, there are the animals where you just tell it to them, and then they never do it again. Like you mm-hmm. can just use animal communication to get it across. Those really, really um, conscious animals that have to raise above their instincts. Yeah, just so cool when that happens.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, it didn't happen with Isabella. Um, I always start, and just being a person with no real animal training, I always start with sit and down for my puppies. Um, My shepherds. Of course, Bella, I didn't start anywhere, but um, my German shepherds, I always started with sit and down.
0: Sit, down, stay. I mean, just do the basic commands. are tons of books now, too, about that. I mean, there's tons of books out there. Um... How much do they understand now? Does tone of voice matter because talking high is positive and low is when you're correcting? Can they get confused by tone because they don't speak words? 100% they can get confused by tone. And this was actually the hardest one for me to learn because my voice is naturally high. And uh, I when I was first like learning like dog training, I had very, very aggressive bull hybrid that would like bite people and other wanted to kill other dogs and animals. I mean she was like the most aggressive dog I've ever experienced. And she like, I would like scold her and she literally would grab me by the ponytail and like throw me down on the ground. She was so darling. Like, <laughs> she was awesome, I love her. She was, she's Luca before, like, Luca is so perfect in this life, but she was Luca. And uh, Luca like, Luca's her reincarnated. So um, she turned out to be a really good dog though in her right time, but in the beginning, but literally like she would not listen to me. Like I could not, and my brother would have me cause he's in news like in the rate he was in radio and tv he would have me like sit in front of the the mirror and be like no no <laughs> would, like, have me, like, <laughs> <really> <laughs> and then he would have me like like get like the evil eye down and stuff and oh god it was so difficult for me to learn like it did not come naturally because especially when we when women especially are um are frustrated. Our voices go higher, and our bodies are like crazy, and our hair is like all over the place. Our hands are all over the place. Men, by nature, are just just when they're upset, they're just more. Their shoulders are back. They're just more dominant. Their voice goes more dominant too. So it's consistency in your in your in your uh, tone of voice. So like a hundred percent, like really start. Pre- your tone of voice and where what your body is doing you want a calm assertive body language always um come is always happy and so that's like a really hard thing with animals when people are like wanting their dogs to come oftentimes they'll be like no come come and the no in a sharp like Firm voice is and the body language and the stare is perfect, like an interrupter word to stop them. But then you want to be like, as soon as they like an ear in your direction or looking you, then yes, come good puppy. You want to be welcoming. Your body language wants to be welcoming. If you're still stern with your body language when your animal is directed to you. They're gonna do something to calm you. They're gonna go in an arc. They're gonna fix sniff. They're gonna pretend they're ignoring you. They're gonna run away. They're gonna do everything they can to be like, "Well, I don't mean you any harm. Like, chill out." So, really important to know when to use that stern body language and that stern voice, and that's always when you're doing an interrupter and you're telling them no, and then an inviting when you need them to come.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think when they do something good, the high voice, good girl, whatever is really important. My, um, I'm back to my little macaw, Dabby. she prefers when she does something good, like wave. And I go, good girl. And she's, she would rather have me say good girl than have a snack because training with, with, um, Mm -hmm. snacks are, you know, it's usually good, but she wants the good girl praise. Yeah, a lot of dogs like that too. They're not be really motivated. And Maya actually was like that. She was
0: more like more um, like into the praise than she was the treats. Yeah, which is so cool. It's so cool when they're like that. Yeah, and easy, there's also, like, you can pet them, like, doing the Tellington touch is a really great modality to, like, tell your dog, like, they've been good, or your animal, your cat, or whatever it may be. Mm. be, a really conscious touch, you know, like, if you're, like, rubbing your animal like this and saying good, that is, there's a place to do that and a place not to, like, let's say a dog just learns something, and then you're like, good puppy, good puppy. That erratic kind of energy is going to make the animal more into like what you're doing than what they just did. Mm. So when you're doing like a praise and a praise stroke, you want it very calm and very consistent, like good puppy, like good, like stroke. They can think like, what am I getting that good for? Like that, I'm still learning the seconds after they do something, they're still learning. So don't ruin it with like two craziness. Yeah. And really visualize what you want of them too you know, like like going back to like the alpha or being confident is like, what is your intention with them? What do you want them to do? How do we muster that up and hold that image of them being good? So like, let's say they've just gone and chased a squirrel. Stop, they're coming back. Stop thinking about the chasing of the squirrel and start thinking this is an opportunity to praise the recall because now they're coming back. So don't scold them anymore after they've, they've, they're coming back now. Training is all about timing. So if they're coming back to you, you've got to be present that coming back, not the scolding of the come. <laughs>
1: so, I was just reading some of the comments. Yeah, the, um, David, the good sit rather than good girl. Yeah, I learned that from my dog trainer years ago. And I just forgot it until, until you said that. Because I've been going, good girl to my bird. But you're right. I need to be going, good wave, you know, good whatever.
0: Uh, okay, here. Uh, Sonia asks... How can I tell my dog Husky that the cat is a family member Mm -hmm. so he doesn't hurt her or worse? All right. So then we just tell him, oh, you know, this is so exciting that we have this new family member in the house and she's going to get to hang out with us and you can play with her and just really have in your mind what do you want like what is that what's that vision that you have for them cohabitating together you know and you're like oh we can sleep on the bed together we can go outside and do walks together like this is really exciting you can talk to her she'll be with you when when i leave the house and this is just really exciting that you guys have this friendship that, and you then and really talk to them about what that friendship will look like. Then, when they're doing something inappropriate, like, like if your husky is chasing the cat like you can say like when you chase her it really scares her that's why she's running away from you when you meet new friends you have to go slow the slower you are the more friend the more friendly you guys can be and just really kind of talk it through to both of them you know and And like, when you stare with your mouth closed or when you pounce, that's really frightening, even if you wanna play. So see, she's getting nervous. So you wanna be really gentle and look and look away and go slow, just really explain it. But then also you need to teach your husky, leave it. So you need to teach them that what leave it means so that when they're going full force, at the kitty that when you say leave it they understand leave it means okay I, I turn away or i i retreat or i turn away from from what i'm going after leave it is a really awesome command that you can teach with a treat um maya that wolf dog i sp- spoke about before she won wa- when i brought her in i had two cats and a bunny she literally wanted to kill them like literally wanted to kill them and she learned to, like, be best friends with the bunny, even, and, the, and mm-hmm. the cats. And so she had boundaries. Like, she was tied to the coffee table. Sometimes she dragged the coffee table across mm-hmm. the room. But she was tied to the coffee table, so she had clear boundaries when they were in the room together. She was not free. So if you have an animal that's consistently chasing or dominating another animal, that animal's on a leash. Boundaries. No excuses. I don't care if you feel bad for that animal. If that animal is is uh, going after another animal, that animal's freedom should be taken away, and it should be boundaries. You need to step up your game. Really strict with that because like, do not feel bad for giving your animal boundaries. Do not feel bad for crate training. Do not feel bad for um, putting them on leash or to tie- having them have a tie down. They need impulse control. Yeah. Down stays are good too so that you can all hang out together. Okay. This is interesting. Like Jen mentions, her her dog Jasper does better when he's connected to me on leash. When he's off leash, he's extra fearful of men and more wary of dogs. Right. So like he feels safer when he's on leash. I thought maybe I'd start working like once you've got him really feeling safe with you on leash, I'd start working him with a little longer leash, start giving him a little bit more freedom and see if you can start working him like with that off leash feeling. And that when he's nervous that he can come behind you or come to you so that you kind of like teach him that he can like get better with more freedom too. Hey. Okay. All right. Well, should we? Is there an? I think we're coming to an end. And we really wanna thank you for joining us on these weekly lives. So we are live every Thursday at 2 PM Eastern time. And we're going to have all different topics and we're going to be talking more than the animals and talking more about talking to them as well. And you can find more about me at thepetpsychic.com. Again, that's thepetpsychic.com. And I have books where you can learn more about all of this stuff. And you can find them on Amazon or on my website. I also have a CD. I also do individual sessions where you can – Um, Hire me to talk with your animals. And I also do coaching sessions as well to help you learn how to talk to animals and deceased people. So you can find that all on my website, the pet and then Kim's info is.
1: Yeah. Klein.com. It's easy. Um, And I have books. You can find them there. Um, Spiritual communication and a memoir that why I got into being spiritual. Um, a trauma to spirituality. Um, and if you need help learning, I do the same thing a little bit like Laura, where I can teach you to understand your own instincts. Um, check out the website and send questions. We love having subjects to talk about based on your questions.
0: Yeah. And thank you guys for so much for tuning in. And it's so important for us, if you're watching us on YouTube or any other social media place to uh subscribe. And also comment and like and share. Because the more you do that, the more we get out and the more we get shown. Um, it's really hard to kind of get everything out there these days. And so it would really be great if you could kind of help us out and share and like and subscribe and kind of spread the word so uh, we can we can just like help more people and more animals. Yeah. So, so Thank yeah. you. Thanks so much for joining in. Bye. Be well. Every time I count my blessings, I count you first. Every time I count my blessings,